The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link here alongside James Anderson of Rotowire.com. Going to be looking at your latest article, James, Farm Futures Stashing Season 2.0. Um, is it, obviously we're past the date to get the extra year control, but are we past the Super 2 now as well? Yeah, in all likelihood, we passed that about a week ago. Which we don't uh, know for sure, right? Because yeah, the, the we don't know super, for several years. Super two status. Uh, well, they they calculate at the end of the season when the super two cutoff will be. Uh, okay. MLB trade rumors is usually pretty good about uh, making that info pretty public. I mean, it's not like ex- fantasy owners aren't going back and looking at it, but teams obviously are looking at it. And uh, pretty much a good rule of thumb is if a player is called up after June first then you'll only have to pay them three years' worth of arbitration instead of four. Uh, sometimes that that's it's possible it dips a little bit into June, but at this point in the calendar, I think it's safe to say we're past that. Very nice. Well, before we get into your article, Jordan Alvarez, man, what an insane couple of games for him. Uh, homers, of course, in his first two games. And watching the highlights, it's like he's barely moving the bat. It's like the bat's in the zone for – you know, two seconds, obviously not that long, but it just seems like he's barely getting a hold of it. Like that changeup he hit last night didn't seem like he got all of it and it just flies out of the park. He's just so strong that it's all about just controlling the barrel for him and just making sure that he gets barreled the ball. And if he does, it's probably going out, <laughs> which is uh, pretty scary. Uh, he's just, you know, I think that that first home run was sort of the Jordan Alvarez um, just kind of peak what you're expecting from Jordan Alvarez going left center field uh you know a a missile that that would have carried forever but you know to have that sort of power to the opposite field uh is really kind of crazy and then yeah the one he golfed out 
Uh, they'd been the Brewers have been getting him on changeups earlier in that game, and I think he was just sitting changeup and and timed it perfectly, got the barrel, and just golfed it out of there. Yeah, really impressive, and it's rare that we see prospects come up in DH. I think he was he playing the outfield yesterday, but I know he was DHing his debut. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's sort of what I've been saying about him this whole time is like his best position, especially on this Astros team, is DH. That's where he fits. Like when they're at full strength and he's on the roster, he belongs in the designated hitter spot. He's just kind of all bat. Uh, you know, a huge guy, obviously, for people that are seeing him for the first time. I mean, he's he's easy 6'5". Uh, you know, moves okay for his size, but I, I think in a lot of ways, to me, he's comparable to Domingo Santana in just sort of his limitations in the field and just sort of the way he moves physically. So uh, a guy that I would expect the majority of his starts to come at DH, he'll probably get some starts in left field, some starts uh, at first base, possibly as well but i think the majority of it starts this year come at dh nice yeah I, you know austin riley has taken a downturn but i'm glad i I'm so glad i went out and got him in leagues just gonna have to sit back and watch the bidding this weekend not gonna be a, an active participant in that i did have him one spot though where i could stash but um are you gonna be opening up the wallet like are you gonna go all in and spend pretty much everything you got uh i have all the your Alvarez shares i'm gonna get okay. i, I not got in the end of pc yeah I, I just don't have enough money to go after him um <laughs> and i i knew that you know last week I, I had about 350 bucks left in the champs league and didn't even consider not bidding with the idea of using that to get your alvarez because i just knew 350 wasn't gonna be enough so still went after some guys to to plug some holes but have him in the tout wars draft and hold which is is huge for me because i'm still without Aaron Judge, so getting Jordan in, in there was, was really fun uh, this past week, and then I've been stashing him in another league, so happy to have at least some exposure, but um, like you, I will not be a part of the bidding for him. Yeah, I just I didn't want to wait and then have to you know, eat that you know, the, the harsh reality of, of not ending up with him. Uh, hopefully some of you get, get some Jordan Alvarez this week, but um, only got him in one, but hey, at least yeah, good to have some exposure. Um, getting into this article though, James, before we get to the name specifically, are these players listed in the order of, uh, you know, priorities and best stashes or are they listed in, in another way? So I separated them into, uh, five groups, just kind of groups that kind of described, uh, the situation or at least where I was at on, on each player. And within those five groups, they are ranked in the order they are in my top 400. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll have to read the article, I guess, to really, really get a sense for how into stashing them I am. But, um, hopefully the sort of five subgroups can kind of explain sort of where each guy's at. Yeah. But within the subgroups, they are, as you said, ranked by your, by how they're listed in the top 400, not necessarily yep. orders of best stash. Okay. I just wanted to clear that up. The other, of course, Astro, who's been on a lot of fantasy owners' minds, Kyle Tucker, now with... You know, I think they have uh, George Springer and Altuve set to begin rehab assignments this weekend. That's going to make things even more clustered there in Houston. Great team, and it just seems like Kyle Tucker is just going to have to play the waiting game even longer and wait for uh, another injury. Yeah, he's you know they they kept him down uh, past when they needed to to get a seventh year of control out of him. Uh, as you recall, he was up last year uh, for a bit of the season so they need to keep him down until june 3rd to get a seventh year control they obviously did that uh, but now it's just it's just clear from his performance that he's ready you know i mean if you look at what he's done like over his past 35 games he's just on an absolute tear and as the strikeout rate under 20 percent just barely uh but it's just so hard when you kind of play around with the roster especially when you factor in the, the Springer and Altuve returns. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he should be up just on talent, and the, and therefore I think the upside is there that I, I want to hold him in 12-team redraft leagues, but I'm not going to lie. It's, it's really a tricky situation in terms of finding a spot for him. I think that he belongs on the roster. I, I mean, I think part of the issue is 
I don't think Yuli Gurriel is one of their eight or nine best players. Um, you know, I definitely don't think Tony Kemp is, Tyler White is. Uh, but I don't see Yuli Gurriel getting moved to a full-on bench role. And, you know, once, especially even once Correa gets back, I mean, Correa will probably be back around the all-star break. So then there's another guy that comes in. You could you could shift Alex Bregman over to shortstop and shift Yuli Gurriel over to third and shift Jordan Alvarez over to first and then open up uh, the DH spot and the three outfield spots that way. But, uh, you know, Correa is still coming back. So then there's kind of a an issue there. I, I know it's tough. I, I admit it could continue to be a pretty frustrating situation, but I, I still think you got to hold him in, in 12-team redraft leagues. I mean, he's he's had 16 homers and 9-for-9 nine nine on stolen base attempts over his last 35 games. I mean, there's this big-time upset here. Uh, we just have to hope that it kind of breaks our way uh, sooner than later. Yeah, you've labeled this tier understandable impatience. That is what it is because there's nothing, you know, the, the talent is there, the, the numbers are there. There's nothing really – to suggest these guys aren't ready, but just team circumstances, uh, guys ahead of them on the depth chart, veterans, they're not going to squeeze out. So I was surprised. I actually got uh, Kyle Tucker in an NFBC 12-teamer this past weekend, the one where I'm doing really well on offense. I didn't really need him, but I got him $3 unopposed. I was surprised. It seems like a lot of people are really impatient with Kyle Tucker. Yeah, no, I mean, and I I get it. Like, I, I don't think people are crazy if they – don't want to use one of their seven bench spots on on Kyle Tucker in a twelve teamer. You know, to me, I look at my twelve team rosters, and there's at least like one or two spots where I'm just never even considering starting that guy week to week. You know, like I mean, you're you're able to accumulate so mm-hmm. much talent in those leagues that I'd rather use one of my last bench spots on a a super high upside stash personally. But I, I totally get the the other approach as well. Yeah, I. I dropped Williams Astadio, and I had several pitchers as a higher priority, but I ended up getting Kyle Tucker. And you just, I don't know, it's a horde talent thing. Keep him away from others, I guess. Um, you just can't ever have too much talent. I'm sure I'll lose some guys due to injury, and good to have a guy like Kyle Tucker on the bench for when he does come up, have another option. Luis Arias of the Padres, he's gone a little bit cold, right? And, and conversely, Ian Kinsler has picked it up, but still expect to see him later this month. I think so. Uh, I don't think it's quite a lock. Um, just, you know, the Ian Kinsler thing is is a complication that I didn't really see coming, and it ca- kind of unfortunately coincides with Arias cooling down a little bit. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about this situation. I think it's pretty similar to the Kyle Tucker situation where I would recommend holding him. You don't have to, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I would still recommend holding him couple A's next up. Jesus Lazardo. he started a rehab assignment with high A Stockton pitching, I think, as the kind of follower behind uh, A.J. Puck. And, and they've talked about putting Puck in the bullpen once he's ready um, as a Tommy John guy. But Lazardo, not a Tommy John recipient, dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, so do you think he is a starter later this season? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Lazardo, I, I put him in this category. I mean, it's not impatience on the part of us like why haven't they called him up it's just impatience on the fact that most people have been stashing him for over two months so um i'm sure that that's been a tough uh, pill to swallow but yeah i think i think we see lizardo probably make his way up to triple a in a in a week or two and then from there i think you know five six starts something like that and then i i think he'll be in the big league rotation as long as he's healthy and pitching well i mean the the pcl it's been a, a tough league to navigate this year, so he might have his hands full there. But as long as he holds his own, I, I do think we see him in the big leagues this year. I mean, that this is a guy where they're going to want to build him up. You know, they'll obviously be consulting with their team physicians and everything, but I, I would think they want to build him up as much as they can this year, maybe even send him to the Arizona Fall League at the end of the year just so that they can get a full big league season's worth of innings from him in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting arm, and he hasn't, even with this injury, his long-term outlook really hasn't uh, darkened much at all, has it? No. I, I mean... Still one of the best lefties in the game. Well, he's... Minor yeah, I think he's I think he's the best the left-handed best. pitching prospect in the minors. Very nice. What about Jorge Mateo, middle infielder? Um, Jerickson Profar has been picking it up, and perhaps most importantly, hasn't been making those errors in the field. Seems like he's gotten over those yips. 
Uh, Mateo, though, really has a ton of appeal just given that speed. Yeah, I mean, he's just crushing it at AAA. I, I, this is a tough situation because I totally get it, especially now that Profar is kind of bounced back into sort of being a a solid player, not a good player, but a solid player for the A's. The fact that they've got him under team control for one more year. Uh, Mateo, I think it's just, it's crazy that he ranks so highly in, in hard hit rate, especially among AAA hitters. You know, you expect to see sort of those Ty France types near the top of that category, uh, just kind of the big burly swing for the fences guys. But Mateo, is right up there with with all those guys. Thirty eight point three percent hard hit rate, and he's got eighty grade speed, and he's not you know the biggest guy. He's not a guy that's just up there selling out for power. I think that that just really speaks to uh, the improvements he's made offensively. So I think he's absolutely deserving of a, a big league call up. One hundred sixty one games already at AAA for Mateo, so it's not like he's new to that level at all. Uh, it's just the issue of. You know, you're not going to call him up to be a util guy, and I don't think they want to move Profar into a util role either. And obviously, Marcus Semyon's not going to get get squeezed out. So I think Mateo at this point really just needs an injury to Profar or Semyon. I just don't really see any other way that he gets in there unless Profar just completely falls apart again. Wasn't Mateo seeing a little time in the outfield, or was uh, am I mistaken on that? Uh, I checked his recent games. I don't think he was no no games in the outfield this um, year he's certainly capable of playing center field but they all they also have you know they have guys they like out there too so um Loriano. yeah grand slam today baby yeah two steals right <sighs> really today i think he had two steals grand slam and two steals hopefully I, i'm like scared to check but i hope to god he's in my tgfbi lineup um yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing mateo stashing him at stake um at, I just at, think the the impact in that one category could you know that could be four or five standings points he's worth alone. Yeah, I mean worst case scenario he's up in September, but yeah, it's it's tough. I just I don't see it's tough. It's tough for him to to squeeze into the mix there without an injury right now. Yeah, you also mentioned the Babbitt, but when you have that kind of speed and you're hitting the ball as hard as he is, uh, thirty eight point three hard percentage. That's just what that's just the natural byproduct, and then with that many line drives and hearted balls. Yeah, it's it's the exact profile where you'd expect a high Babbitt, probably not a four seventeen Babbitt, but like it's not like he's a true talent like three thirty guy at the rate he's going right now. Yeah, just I you know you know how I am with people screaming Babbitt no, progression, and it's just like well, especially in the minor leagues, deeper, like yeah, like yeah. most people know this, but like in the minor leagues. Babbitt is just it's it's borderline useless because you're dealing with just much worse defenders. Um, it's just it's just such a noisy stat, especially in the low levels of the minors. Yeah, I think it's kind of a BS stat just in general. It's just, it's descriptive. I don't think it's really predictive unless it's like a huge outlier that doesn't have any supporting metrics like line drive or hard hit rate. A quick note before we move on from our sponsor Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports: America's pastime is back. The smell of the grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole into your pocket. Just play Yahoo Daily Fantasy to find a baseball contest that's right for you. Go head-to-head against a friend or find someone online. With Quick Match, you'll only go up against another player of your skill level. Play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You'll keep 100% of your winnings or play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights in guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day there's a no-management-fee contest, meaning we take nothing and all players have a better chance to win. And for you really obsessive fans out there, and there might be a few listening to this podcast, you can set up a league that can spend anywhere between two contests in an entire season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is easy to play. Just deposit some cash, choose a game, and get to winning. So come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight now james my needs specifically you know personal um needs on my fantasy teams a lot on the pitching side and so dylan cease may leapfrog all these hitters we've already talked about and jesus lazardo and be my number one stash if, if he's out there just because the what general manager rick Hahn said seemed to suggest cease is really on the doorstep of the major leagues yeah i did a lot of kind of digging around for this article looking for like comments for from general managers and uh rick Hahn said 
basically the exact same thing about Dylan Cease a couple days ago that he said about Michael Kopech uh, three weeks before Kopech got yeah, the call. And I think that they, you know, they're different players, obviously, but they're similar players. And um, I think that it, it does sort of seem to be trending towards Cease getting the call either just before the All-Star break or maybe right after the All-Star break. So, yeah, I, I think of the pitchers that are out there, you could certainly make a case he's the top stash. Um, he, you know, Jesus Lazardo, I think, is better. I think he, he will be better on a per-start basis, but I think the certainty that sort of comes I'm, – I'm more confident in getting double-digit starts out of Cease than Lazardo. I'll put it that way. Yeah, really good prospect, right-hander, 6'2", 190, and – Everything looks pretty good. The walk's a little high. Is that probably going to be uh, the main issue for him, really, kind of throughout his career? Yeah, and that's sort of that. That's been more of an issue for him over his last few starts than it was earlier in the season. He'd really cut down the walks, which was was really appealing to see earlier in the year. Uh, I think you know he's never going to be a, a stud in the WHIP department, but I think he can put up some pretty low ERAs and, and certainly tally uh, a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, look at that. The track record in terms of walk rate, 9.7% this year, 109 9.7, 10.3, 12.2, 13.7, 15.8. So uh, double digits, pretty much a lock at the big league level. Um, still an interesting player, one I really want to see. Zach Gallon was a guy that we were talking about last week. They ended up giving that start to Eliza Hernandez. Then uh, Urania went down, but Zach Gallon wasn't lined up. It would have been on... Just a couple of days rest, I think. So not available for that uh, to replace Urania. But do you think we see Zach Gallon soon? I know the the staff there in Miami has been surprisingly good, but is he uh, going to get the call in the near future? Yeah, you know, I I uh, I messaged uh, Craig Mish um, for this piece. You know, he covers the Marlins. You know, it's about about as good as anyone. And uh, it sort of sounds like it's it's either going to have to be a long-term injury to a starter that's in the rotation or a post-trade deadline promotion for Gallon. They're just pretty dead set on not calling him up um, to fill a short-term hole, and I think they're pretty set on not removing any of their five starters from the rotation. They want to trade Jose Urania, which, you know, Godspeed, Godspeed. <laughs> um but it, you know, be- if, people beating down the door. <laughs> if uh, they're able to do that, then I think you'd see Gallon get the call after that. Uh, or if, say Caleb Smith's injury were uh, to end up being more severe than initially expected with the the hip inflammation, maybe that's Gallon's ticket in. But uh, I think you have to, if if you're stashing Gallon, you have to be aware of the fact that you might not see him till August. I think August is the latest we would see him uh, as long as he's healthy, but it, it's probably not a matter of weeks with gallon unless, like I said, unless like Smith is ruled out for a, a lengthy period or something. Um, or even Urania's injury is deemed to be more serious, but as long as those guys are, are expected back fairly soon, it, it could be till August with gallon. So you got to just be aware of that. Yeah, I love Mish, but another a different Marlins beat writer. I saw like, well, you know, fans need to understand that Gallon's not on the forty man. Like, really, that's <laughs> the obstacle on that roster. <laughs> Get the hell out of here! No, that's uh, I mean the. It's just it was more so that <laughs> Gallon just wasn't lined up. Yeah, no, he wasn't he lined was, up, and they like I they didn't want to purchase his contract just to send him right back down. Right, I think yeah, I, like. Yeah. You know, I get sort of forty man. If it's a spot start, you don't want to burn the forty man spot just for a spot start. But uh, yeah, the 40, 40 man roster on the Marlins. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, there's, have, have fun. Have fun with that one. Yeah, that's a really hard forty man to crack. Apparently, um, I'm going to skip down the list a little bit just because we're on the topic of the Marlins. A couple other Marlins you wrote up, um, and Monty Harrison appeared first in your article. But do you like Asan Diaz as maybe a a better stash? Well, I think he's a more uh, sort of more of a guarantee that we see Isan Diaz uh, some point this year. Like Gallon, though, it might not be till August. I, I mean, I can't imagine the Marlins internally think they can get anything for Starlin Castro. Uh, but I, I don't know. I <laughs> do. Are they okay with just bringing up Isan Diaz and moving Castro to the bench or? 
you know, trying Castro in the outfield. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but Isan Diaz has made major improvements this year at AAA. Really impressive. You know, I to me he was sort of trending towards being kind of just not really on the radar at all as a prospect where, you know, second baseman who just didn't seem like he was going to hit for much average and striking out a ton. But, I mean, he cut his strikeout rate from 29% to 22% this year. I mean, that's a big, big step forward by Isan Diaz. He's maintained his all-fields approach. He's upped his fly ball rate. So, I mean, I don't think this equates to a guy who's going to hit like 270 or 280, but I think he could be, uh, you know, a 250 average type of second baseman with 20 25 homer pop which will certainly play in an everyday role on on this roster and he's had plenty of time at triple a i think he's upwards of you know at least half a season at this point um, maybe 90 games or so at triple a so it's it's not like he just got there i think we do see isan diaz sometime this summer i didn't put him as like a stash I put him in the watch list category just because I don't think the upside really warrants stashing him. But just uh, keep in mind that I think at, at some point we will hear that Isan Diaz is coming up to the majors. Nice. I think did we see Isan Diaz in that during that fateful trip to South Bend? Uh-huh. He was really impressive, but it's yeah, yeah. yeah that, he's got he's got that, a real pop. That, but that just, infamous trip. Yeah, he's got all. Fields I'll never pop, forget yeah. that South Bend. <laughs> South Bend was really took me aback. <laughs> Um, weird place. Um, next year was gone, but not forgotten. We talked a lot about, you know, Keston Hira, Nate Lowe, and others in past podcasts, but anything else you want to add about uh, those two guys, Carter Keyboom, Luis Arias, or others? No, I, well, uh, not the first three guys. I mean, those guys are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, I, Bryce Wilson with the Braves has been awesome over his last six starts at AAA. Uh, the Dallas Keuchel edition probably means that he needs an injury, but you know you can probably count on them getting hit with another injury or two before the end of the season. So don't forget about Bryce Wilson. And then I just wanted to throw Luis Arise's name out there as more of kind of a dynasty league name where I, I think he's a hold in dynasty leagues. I, I think that he is going to get to compete to be their everyday second baseman next year. And his bat-to-ball skills and just approach at the plate, it's just really, really impressive. Uh, not a guy that's got major raw power or, or much speed, but I think he could be like one of those 300-hitting, 15-homer second basements at some point and could possibly get on base enough to hit near the top of the order. So just for Dynasty League owners out there, I think Luis Arias is, is certainly someone to, to hold on to. Nice, yeah. When you have that good bat-to-ball foundation with this new baseball, you know, anything could happen in the power department. So, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Not a player I knew much about coming in, but, yeah, if you can buy low or get him maybe even for free off the waiver wire, Luis Araya is maybe worth a pickup. Now to the maybe the main event of this podcast, uh, time to stash. One player, nice little blurb here, Brendan McKay of the Rays. He's... I think he was already picked up in our stake league, of course. Um, to really, hey, but to really deflate. They're ahead of. They're ahead of the. Ahead of hey, who the game was it? There. Was that I Wolf? Don't, I don't know. Probably Wolf. He's he's gotten out of just uh, a bunch of sharks in that. Yeah, league. no man. Brutal. <laughs> I'm I'm calling the come up, but I mean Moose has been huge for me, but I yeah Biggio has been a that, that stash hasn't really paid paid much dividends, but Brendan McKay lefty and of course we got the bad news about brent honeywell seems like with glass now hurt too they're probably going to need reinforcements in that rotation before long do you think mckay's a guy with this team in you know in the hunt is a guy that could get a long look well he's you know first first and foremost he's just an absolute stud uh he's i don't i i don't have him as the top pitching prospect in the game i don't think anyone really does but I know people. I know there are people who think Casey Mize is the best pitching prospect in the game, and I think it's very easy to argue McKay is a better pitching prospect than Mize. I I have Mize, I think, one spot ahead of McKay, but um, you know, I, I don't sleep on McKay. I mean, he's not just like a mid rotation guy anymore. He's a legit number two guy, possibly a front line guy, and the Rays. I mean, they're legit World Series contenders. They're they're not going to leave an arm like this at AAA for the rest of the season. They're going to make use of him at the big league level at some point. And I'm not exactly sure who they, – they've even with Glass now down and, and Honeywell out for the year, 
they still have a ton of pitching depth, so it's not necessarily going to be a desperation situation. But I think at a certain point, if he just continues to dominate the way he has been, uh, he will just come up and maybe it's Ryan Yarbrough to the bullpen or something like that. But, uh, I mean, he's just too good, and this team is too good for him to stay at AAA for the whole season. Yeah, man. Jalen Beeks, they've been getting a lot of good innings from as a, as a primary guy, a bulk reliever. Beeks has been and a Yanni stud. Yanni Ch- Chirinos, too. Yeah. Be- I mean, Chirinos isn't missing a ton of bats, but the results have been pristine. Yanni Chirinos, uh, kind of a sleeper for biggest head in baseball. Uh, but J- Jalen Beeks, has, he's, I think I've gotten like six wins from him over the past six weeks and tout just, just plugging him in there. He's just a win machine right now. I dropped Yar- Ryan Yarbrough on that 18-teamer, and that probably is going to hurt me, but – um, he's been fine. I would say he's probably the, the guy who's most on the fringe, though, because mm-hmm. you know he's already sent down once, and yeah, maybe we see McKay. You mentioned Mize. Um, I think on merit, he probably would warrant a stash and a promotion pretty soon, but recent comments from Alavila, the GM there, seem to take that off the table, really. Uh, any chance of Mize making his debut there, this year? Yeah, there were several comments from Alavila that made it into this article about several players and it just I didn't really know much about the Alavila regime in Detroit uh, but I was was gleefully in the dark I did not I did not walk away impressed after uh, diving into the way he thinks about things Um, yeah I mean he he basically said that like there's no point it'd just be a waste like to bring these guys up like they're not going to be the difference between us making the playoffs and not making the playoffs like oh yeah you don't say like wow um <laughs> well they should at least get bumped up to triple a here pretty soon and he did at least allude to Matt Manning and Casey Mize probably getting the bump to triple a uh I I think that probably happens before the all-star break but just from everything he said like he just views it as a complete waste uh for these guys to be promoted to the big leagues this year since the team isn't any good uh but he also said or (laughs) apparently in spring training i I talked about willie castro their top shortstop uh prospect who's having a really good year at triple a and apparently they came up with a plan in spring training to keep castro at triple a until september like and then they're going to promote him from triple a uh when rosters expand in September, which is just, <laughs> I, I've never heard of a front office person just coming out and like kind of saying, yeah, we're going to keep this player at this level for the first five months. And then we're going to start his clock and he'll be in the majors for the last month. Yeah. Then we'll like, keep him down for two months next like, year. What, instead of just one, like, so what months? if he was bad this year? What if he was just way, way better than you thought? What if he was just okay? Like you're still just regimentedly keeping him at triple a for five months that like that just sounds like the worst process ever yeah. uh but yeah i mean the, i basically walked away from this article uh not in a hurry to stash any detroit tigers yeah it seemed like it was very clear that they're not going to bring him up if it's it's rare that you see a gm basically rule rule out a promotion but that's effectively what he did um it doesn't make much sense to me granted mize is a really good prospect you probably, you know, I get the reluctance to start the clock, but, you know, I think you could sell quite a few seats, put some butts in the seats, uh, sell a few tickets by bringing him up. I think people would want to see this guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I look at what uh, the White Sox did with Michael Kopech last year. I thought that that was a decision that should have been praised and, and should still get praised because – like pitchers, they competitive. the shelf life with pitchers, you you just never know. I mean, yeah. look at look at Michael Kopech, look at Brent Honeywell. Yeah, Honeywell's a real sad case. Like he was ready in twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah, they kept him down for service time reasons, and you know now he's he's out two years worth of big league paychecks basically, mm-hmm. and uh, you know K- Casey Mize and Matt Manning, I, I wish those guys nothing but the best, but I just it's it's so asinine to me to to just steadfastly keep a pitcher who's big league ready in the minors for any reason. I just don't, I don't, I don't understand it really on any level. I, if, if anyone comes at me with just the, it's the best thing for the team long-term BS, like just get out of here, save, save your time. Um, Yeah. It's because as you said, the shelf life, you never know. And there's only so many bullets in the chamber. 
Um, if we were looking six years down the road with pitching prospects, I mean, if you made it that far with a guy and you're talking about what's his third-year ARB salary, then you're in a pretty good spot with that player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at look at like the Cardinals with Alex Reyes. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just this is such a it's so it can change so quickly uh, with pitching prospects. Like we shouldn't shouldn't be just saying like nope, nope. He, what's the point? We're not no. winning games. Like, well, look the at point? the Reds with. Uh, hmm. <laughs> well, they haven't had much success. <laughs> Hey, the Reds have done right by their pitching prospects. They just uh, haven't been good. Yeah, they haven't really developed. Player development such a big part of the game now, and that's that's one area where the Reds really need to improve. Real quick note before we move on, though, uh, word from our friends over at Prize Picks. Tired of the grind trying to win on DraftKings or FanDuel, spending so much time trying to set the perfect lineup only to fall short of winning big? Well, our friends at Prize Picks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections to win. No more competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap with prize picks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks has new boards of selections up every day, covering players from Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA, NHL, UFC, NCAA football, NFL, and more. They're also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross-sport entries. So you can go under on Kawhi Leonard while taking Tiger on the over. Prize Picks really is daily fantasy simplified. Visit rotowire.com slash prize picks to sign up now or use promo code WIRE when you download the Prize Picks app. A couple Orioles here, James. Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, the Orioles brought up DJ Stewart, gave him a look. Now I think he's on the IL. I really don't know because I don't really pay much attention at all to the Orioles, but it seems like there's not much standing in these guys' way. No, and especially with Hayes, you know, Hayes has been playing center field. That's the one spot where they can't even, like, con themselves into thinking they have someone standing in anyone's way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keon Broxton and Stevie Wilkerson, who I'd never heard of before this year, um, getting time out there. Uh, So Hayes, with Hayes, I think, you know, keep an eye on how he does at AAA over the next, like, 20, 25 games. If he's playing well and has his – you know, strikeout strikeout rate in a a decent range. I think we'll probably see him in about a month, just because there's there's nobody standing in his way at all. With Mountcastle, though, you know, I think there are some clues here that sort of suggest there's not a promotion imminent at all with Mountcastle. Uh, they said back on May 22nd, I think uh, Michael Elias said that they want to eventually get him uh, some reps in the outfield they have not done that yet he's still playing first base they also said they want to get him a second look at a bunch of the pitchers at AAA just to see how he handles them um, when they kind of come with a different plan of attack which really makes sense in his case because he has a a walk rate under three percent right now so I would imagine if you're a AAA pitcher and you get to face Ryan Mountcastle for a second time you're probably not going to throw him very many strikes and they're probably going to see how he is able to respond to that approach. So I think Hayes will be up before Mountcastle, assuming they're both healthy and productive, uh, but they're both firmly in the, the watch list zone. Yeah, that's good info. It's good to know. We appreciate you sharing those quotes because reading between the lines, yeah, it doesn't sound like Mountcastle. Um, maybe not getting a look this year. Bobby Bradley for the Indians, he's a guy we've been talking about for a while. He's kind of got some – prospect fatigue but do you like what you see from bobby bradley this year yeah he's really really turned it on this year and he you're right i mean he had fallen way down my top 400 uh just you know 2017 and 2018 not impressive years for him really at all didn't seem to be taking a step forward just kind of stagnated uh but this year he's well first of all from a hard hit standpoint he's just elite at triple a and that isn't that surprising if you've seen Bobby Bradley hit? I mean, every time he makes contact, it seems to just be barreled really hard somewhere. But this year, he's up to or he's dropped his pull rate from around fifty percent to under forty percent this year, which is really critical. I mean, he's a he's a big first baseman, hits left-handed, the type of guy that most big league teams would just love to shift on if they could. And as long as he's got that sort of all fields approach, that kind of ups his floor like you know he would have been a guy with one of those really low batting average floors of like you know 210 something like that could have been in play for him but as long as he's using that whole field hitting the ball that hard 
and getting the ball in the air uh, at a decent clip he'll he'll be a guy that i think hits around you know 240 250 something like that and we know the power's there i mean it's just it's a flawed profile but it's a profile we've seen work out pretty well in a lot of cases recently and i think that bradley could be the next one of those guys and i you know i have no jake bauer shares thankfully this this year but i went and looked at how he's doing it's been pretty bad uh yeah it really has way way under um a replacement level player at this point uh, negative 0.6 per fan graphs. you know they probably don't want to admit defeat on that trade just yet uh considering how well andy diaz is playing uh, for tampa bay but not lately but yeah. well it, that's another story they'll, they'll still have to admit defeat on that trade yeah at some point uh-huh. it's almost like the rays know what they're doing <laughs> um but yeah i, I think in the in with bradley this is not a not a guy who this is his first taste of triple a either he got there last year so um he's in the watch list zone for now but i mean he's a guy where in in deeper leagues ale only leagues maybe even our stake league i it might be stashing time with bradley i think he's he's making a really strong case uh to come up at some point this summer nice another indians prospect former nats prospect daniel johnson uh since moving up numbers have only gotten better 253 337 534 double a then since the promotion 300 370 543 are you sold on daniel johnson as a future everyday player I'm I'm getting there, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the Indians did know what they're doing with that Jan Gomes trade. Um, you know, he is a guy that has the arm for right field, has the speed for center field, so a guy that they could play at, at all three spots uh, if necessary, which is something valuable, especially on that team. Um, but I think, I think you're looking at Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson both as kind of two guys that the Indians are going to be counting on in their outfield going forward. And, you know, the one thing that's a little concerning is just that he isn't running as much as he did last year. He stole 21 bases on 25 attempts in 89 games at double a last year. This year, he's only six for nine uh, in 56 games. So, you know, I don't know if they've just told him to, to stop running or if he's maybe, maybe lost a tick or something like that. But, uh, you know, maybe he's hitting higher in the order. I should have probably checked that, but um, yeah, he he isn't running as much as he could. But he, you know, he's a guy with at least plus speed. He's got above average power, so there is a, a power speed profile here if if it all works out. And really, the the batted ball profile, there's nothing to argue about either. He's got the ground ball rate in a really good spot. Um, like you said, I mean, the strikeout walk numbers have only improved since the bump up to Triple A. So. You know this this Indians team. Uh, there's certainly going to be a spot for him. I think if he keeps hitting like this, so maybe not quite as uh, quick to the majors as as I think Bobby Bradley could be, but I do think we could see Daniel Johnson this this summer as well. It's interesting. Yeah, Mercado. It looked like initially he first brought up and sat against you know for two of his first three games. Yeah, what a fake out. Yeah, that was a total fake out because it looks like he's going to be an everyday guy, and I love that Lindor's kind of brought him under his wing. It's a great guy to. To have watching over you. Yeah, absolutely. You the game. Um, really good stuff. One long shot in this article I want to touch on is Bo Bichette because I saw he had four hits for Dunedin yesterday. Uh, I think played both games with a doubleheader. Um, but he's still on the rehab assignment, still not back up to um, – buffalo but i think he he gets activated i think his first game for buff for buffalo will be tomorrow pretty nice. sure. well he's still a guy that you're pretty skeptical gets the call uh well before the year i thought he would um i just think i wonder if with him and with possibly joe adele i wonder if those early season injuries may have sort of robbed them of a, of a shot at least a shot to get up in time to be um pretty valuable in fantasy i mean with bichette you know coming off a hand injury or a a fractured hand you know that's the type of injury that could hurt his power numbers i think going forward this year and i think he really i honestly wouldn't be surprised if the blue jays have already decided he's not coming up this year just because of the way they handled things last year uh but even if they haven't decided that, I think he would still need to absolutely bang the door down to, to come up this year. And 
I just I don't know if it happens. Um, if if you were stashing Bichette still, I mean, there's plenty of guys I've touched on in this article uh, that I would prefer to be stashing over Bichette, and you could probably find one of those guys out there. They get five hits for for Bo Bichette yesterday in the the doubleheader, eight total at bats, five hits, and yeah, it looks like he will be joining Buffalo in short order. But yeah, this team is not one to to expect and. An early arrival for Bichette. I'd, I'd be surprised as well if we saw him. Great stuff, James. Definitely check out his article, Stashing Season 2.0, Farm Futures. Always uh, always love stashing, if I can. Um, <laughs> although it looks like, well, I got I got Mateo stashed, got Stanton stashed and stake. Looks like I got to get back on my stash game, really dig deep. And the stash running low? Yeah, the stash is low. I'm going to have to hit up my... When, my Dr. Green Thumb. Well, you know my, uh, you know I'm stashing Zach Gallen. Um, oh, yeah. Probably gonna just stash him all year, and it'll probably never come up. Um, but can you name, <laughs> can you name my one other stash in stake league? Only one stash other than Zach Gallen right now, huh. and he's a um, he's a red. We've discussed him. Oh, Scoots. No. Oh, um, Huh. Red stash? I don't know, man. Who is it? Lucas Sims. Oh, still, right. still rocking that Lucas Sims stash. All oh, right. <laughs> I didn't even register with me. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Lucas Sims. Yeah. Oh, he'll get another opportunity. I mean, I'm, he had well, he had a good start. Yeah. One good yeah, start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hard league to stash. So we talked about it. just everybody stashed effectively. But uh, what you got on the docket for next week, James? Uh. Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody actually, well, for next week, it's going to be the annual short season rookie league hitter index where I kind of give you all the short season guys to keep an eye out for, uh, all the teenagers that over the next two months could ascend into sort of elite prospect status. A lot of guys who haven't even played a professional game before are going to be making their debuts or have already done so in the Dominican Summer League. Uh, but most of the short season leagues open play this weekend. And uh, somebody wanted me to explain why the leagues open this late or like why isn't Christian Robinson playing? Uh, why isn't George Valera playing? That type of thing. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's kind of like a, a these leagues are sort of training wheels leagues where, you know, you're only asking the guys to play about half a season. Um, you know, they're in many cases not close to physically mature, so you don't want to ask them to play a, a full five-month season. In many cases, you want them playing either in the Gulf Coast League or the Arizona League right by your spring training complex so that you can be, you know, working – you have your best instructors working with as many players at the same time as, as possible on, on drills and stuff like that. And it's just, it's kind of, you know, your, your first taste of pro ball, you want to be playing against um, players that are kind of of your same caliber and everything like that. Uh, I'll, I'll do a better job of laying it out in, in the article next week, but um that's that's why we haven't seen a lot of these these studs who are ranked fairly highly on the top 400. They they haven't played in the game yet. I know it's it's kind of everyone's getting impatient. They want to see is this stash of this 17 or 18 year old guy going to pan out? Like it's tough when they're not playing. You can't really get a sense for it. But uh, they will be playing this weekend, and it will be really awesome. And I will write about it next week. Awesome. We will look forward to that. We did not settle on a uh, post-show topic in time to really get into our list, but we have settled on one today. We're going to do, instead of the um, songs, that we the best songs that had no commercial success, we're going to move away from that just because it's so hard to define and go with commercial hits that we actually still bang today. I, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I think... Because uh, they're few and far between for me. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're. It's going to be even tougher for you than you know it would be for me. No, underground, I am. Yeah, no. Clay, Clay doesn't have time for <laughs> for any of that mainstream BS, so he's going to have to really dig deep on this one. Uh, I'm guessing like Gravel Pit probably makes it or something like that. I could make it. I could make it. I was shocked watching the documentary about just how commercial that was. I, I didn't realize how, you know. Well, hey, Triumph had was the first million dollar music video. And then that was all, you know, CGI, dinosaurs and crap. Mm. But for some reason, it seemed 
Like it wasn't all that other mainstream BS. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's how you know they did a good job on it. Yeah, love the woo. I've after watching that documentary, I just got into woo, uh, woo rabbit hole. Fell down that, but I've started uh, dusting off some old hits. I'm going to throw out one song I've been listening to a lot: "Song for You" by Mac Dre and the Cutthroat Committee. Uh, highly recommend that one. Actually, I was going to splice a bit of that beat out and send it to the XM guys. Oh. Have them play that. Mix a little. Mac See, I I like Dre. how you do their work for them. I, I just send them a list and just <laughs> tell them, Hey, do, do what you can. Well, I would do that if, if the song didn't open with a bunch of swearing ah. and I could just send it to them from, from scratch, but I got to s- slice out a bit of the end and, and kind of repeat it over and over. Nice. But yeah, we will start on that countdown next week. It's not going to be a countdown like we've done because James and I just don't have time, but we're every week going to offer one up. So it's not going to be one where we sit down and plot out the full 20, uh, but we will have something for you every week starting next week. James, thanks a lot for the insight, and thank you all for listening to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo! Daily Fantasy Sports. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.